Welcome to the Aquarian Living Podcast. I am Naomi Richardson, your host. I am a Kundalini Yoga teacher, life and meditation coach, and I am here to create a connection with others who live mindfully through the practice of Kundalini Yoga, wellness, and spirituality. This is episode three. I'm so excited. I got it out on time. I was a little bit worried with the holidays and such. In this episode, we were going to be talking to the beautiful Laurel Ann Carter. I was so excited to see her again. It's been a while and I was so honored to um, talk to her and In this episode, we're talking a little bit quieter than usual because we were actually recording in a yoga studio and there ended up being a class going on. So you might have to turn us up a little bit, but I am so honored and so inspired talking to all these gals and people and good things are going on. And um, I loved hearing about her journey and I hope you enjoy it too. So let's go ahead and get started. Okay, hi everyone. Um, I am here with Laurel Carter. Um, she's owner of Two Sand Hills Healing Center. She's a Kundalini yoga teacher, counselor, sound healer, and offers Acu Detox. I didn't want to say you were an Acu Detoxer. Yeah, right. <laughs> oh yes. Yeah. And she Acu lives detox in specialist. Yeah. Oh, specialist. Yes. And then um, she lives in Fort Collins, Colorado. So we're here. Hi, Laurel. Hey, so glad to be here. Yes. It's so good to see you. Um, I'll give you a little history. Laurel and I did our Kundalini training together and we haven't seen each other in years. (laughs) So it's so good to be here. Yeah. We're actually in Fort Collins. So it's so good to be here. So I've been starting off my interviews kind of in your childhood. So where did you grow up? What were you like as a child and what were your parents like? Mm. Yeah, (laughs) interesting question. Um, I mean, I don't know if the answer is very interesting, but I grew up in Northwest Colorado um, in a town called Craig. It's about 45 minutes west of Steamboat Springs. That's Mm -hmm. like kind of the marker that people know Steamboat less so about Craig, unless you're a hunter. (laughs) Um, it's a big community for that. I, my parents are really great individuals. Um, my dad was a basketball coach. My mom was a teacher. They're both teachers. Oh, cool. I actually, I call myself a little gym rat. I just grew up in the gym. That was like my babysitter. Um, and I played basketball. I was like, really my identity was that of being a basketball player growing up. That's Um, so awesome. (laughs) It's really fun. It's really fun to reminisce upon. Sometimes it feels like another life, like Mm -hmm. two very, very significantly different chapters in life. Um, But it was, it was really a joy and it taught me a lot. (laughs) Do you have brothers or sisters? I do. Yeah. I am the youngest of four girls. Oh, wow. I know. My dad, right? My poor dad, just (laughs) like hoping for, you know, a boy. Um, my oldest sister is eight years older than me, and then my second oldest is four years older than me, and then two years older than me. Oh, wow. When did your parents start having children? Young. Very young. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Cool. Um, did you grow up with any religion? What were your parents' beliefs? Mm-hmm. Yeah. My parents um, are still in, and I grew up in the LDS religion, the Latter-day Saints. It's the Mormon religion. Oh, yeah. Oh, yes. I remember that now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I kind of make jokes that I, I feel like my parents knew from me being in the womb that it probably wasn't going to be my path. 
And I really fought against it for a good majority of my adolescence. Um, in hindsight, and now that I've really come into this place of um, like non-judgment around it and openness and receptivity to the teachings and the community that was a part of that upbringing, mm-hmm. um, I find an, an incredible amount of gratitude and appreciation for what I learned within that religion. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe not so specifically like the direct teachings, but that of community and the family orientation and a lot of the languaging to be very real, I agree with, but just kind of from a different lens around, um, uh, we all have God within us, Yes, of you know, yeah, and yeah. through Kundalini yoga, generator, organizer, destroyer of energy, mm-hmm. deliverer of energy. And so anyway, there's, there's actually a lot of crossover that I've begun to recognize just the actual literal translation of some things is where I perceive things kind of went. Yeah, I've noticed that since I've been more spiritual, like I'm kind Mm -hmm. of way more open Mm -hmm. towards other religions. I'm not so judgmental about them anymore because it's like everybody's just searching for something. Everybody's searching. And it really, I feel it comes from the same place. Exactly. It all comes from the same core. And then we kind of take it and translate it in our own ways. Yeah. So are your brothers and sisters still devout into it or or your parents? My parents are still practicing. They're still a part of the the church community. And I have one sister out of the three um, who is still practicing and identifies as Mormon. Oh, wow. Mm -hmm. Wow. So I always have this question. Um, When did you leave the church Mm -hmm. or when did you leave the practice? Mm -hmm. I don't know if I'd call it practice, but... Yeah. Um, you know, when I, when I was in college is when I really started to kind of branch out and try other things, explore other ideas of what religion and spirituality was. Mm -hmm. Um, so growing up within the household really through my senior year, I continued to go to church, um, senior year in high school. And then when I stepped into the college experiences, when I kind of found greater, freedom of expression and kind of gave myself permission to step into new things. So is that when you became, well, I guess you grew up spiritual, but when did your like curiosity, I guess you were saying in college, your curiosity for other spiritual modalities began. Mm -hmm. And when did you find Kundalini yoga? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Or what was your journey towards that? Right. You know, I, I imagine that this, (laughs) this message or this experience is, probably, um, pretty common, I I would imagine, but just knowing that there was always something greater and something bigger Mm -hmm. that I wasn't really like something wasn't being filled within what was immediately before me. So really, I mean, it came from more of like this energetic feeling that something is missing and, and what is the something and what is the healthy something? Yeah. Um, you know, there's plenty of experimentation with the not healthy somethings to, you know, fill that <laughs> void. Of course. <laughs> um, but when Kundalini Yoga came into my world, it was really, I was in grad school and I had a friend who I was in grad school with and she introduced me to a breath that she just somehow came into her world. She provided it to me as a breath that is known to help reduce stress. Mm-hmm. And it was breath of fire. Oh, wow. And so through breath of fire and then additional research on the internet, 
I hopped into Kundalini yoga kind of on accident through this particular breath. Through the breath of fire. That's mm-hmm. so awesome. And mm-hmm. then um, was it hard to find classes? Um, how did yeah. that journey begin? Did you start going to classes or doing mm-hmm. it on your own? or like? Right. The area that I was in, in hindsight, I realized that there were classes taking place an hour away from me and I didn't realize <laughs> that. Um, but I, I was a complete like YouTuber. I was an internet Kundalini yogi just looking for teachers and there's plenty of stuff on the internet to, um, you know, that exposed me to the practice. And then really what I clung to was the teacher Maya Fines. Um, she kind of opened more of, um, a window for me and then just with, what was it? And then I found um, the festival, the Satnam Fest that was oh, in yeah. California. And after kind of dabbling in the practice on my own, getting books, watching people on um, online, I went to that festival and it was the most phenomenal experience of my entire <laughs> life. I've oh. never tasted my soul in such a sweet way. Oh, awesome. I still haven't done Satnam Fest. Mm-hmm. I always want to, but... It's so great. Yeah. It's like the... It's like the pretty, it's much prettier than um, solstice. Solstice, yeah. That's, you know, I remember you guys telling me that. Yeah, <laughs> it's, I mean, it's more retreat-ish, festival-ish. Solstice is yeah. you know, different. I'll have to go. I'll have to go. I'm sure one of these days I will. Mm-hmm. Um, and then how long was it before you did your teacher training after you found Kundalini Yoga? Yeah, I had been practicing for about seven years mm-hmm. on my own before I hopped into the training. Oh, wow. um, Jess Chacon, mm-hmm. you know, who we did our training with, um, I introduced her to Kundalini Yoga. And then with this mutual practice with her and I, she, um, she really was the one that said, I think that I want to go get my Kundalini Yoga training and I want us to do it together. Yeah. And it's like, okay, let's do it. (laughs) Yeah. See, that's, I just wanted to do the training to just learn more. Mm -hmm. Like that was kind of my journey, but, um, and so you became a counselor Mm -hmm. and that's what you went to school for. Right. Right. So Mm -hmm. what was your journey? What made you go into that? Yeah. Oh man. (laughs) So let's do like bullet point version. Um, Going through my undergrad, my plan, my intention, my vision, my only option was that I was going to be an English literature major (laughs) and I was going to write and take photography and be the National Geographic individual, you know, like going Mm. to other countries and documenting like beauty and tragedy. Um, And then I got pregnant my senior year of my undergrad and that drastically changes that vision. <laughs> yes. So the next best option um, was a grad program that was available at the same school. And I happened to call on the same day to just gather information that they had just opened up scholarships for this program that it was um, tuition covered. And oh, wow. so it was it was devastating to have such a significant shift in what I had planned for my life. Um, but then subsequently pieces really fell together, mm-hmm. um, pretty eloquently to open up the counseling awesome. um, direction. And 
where, what, how did you start right after college? Did Mm -hmm. you work for someone else or, and who do you mostly counsel? Like what's your genre that you work with people? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I jumped right into the grad program after my undergrad. Um, I had my little one who is now 11 years old. (laughs) Wow. Wild to say. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Um, when I was in the program, so my first semester of the program, I had my little man. And um, from there, jumped right into the mental health center and journeyed through there for a few years and hopped into a university setting and worked with college-age students. It was incredibly exciting. Worked with those with um, acute and chronic suicidality and worked with staff members as well and also to raise awareness of, um, you know, um, that's okay to ask for help in a nutshell. That's yeah, what I did there at the yeah. university. Wow. Um, it was really powerful work. And then um, from there, I jumped into what did I do? Then I moved to Fort Collins. I was in Southern Colorado at that time. Then I moved to Fort Collins. I worked in nonprofit work for a little while in the substance abuse prevention world. Then was in a group practice, <laughs> which then leads to the present moment. Um, of me working with individuals in my private practice, um, offering offering services that are really based around the recognition that when you walk into this space, you're already whole. Mm-hmm. You're already everything that you need. It's just a matter of revealing the layers that have been tacked on over our lifetime mm-hmm. that have made us believe otherwise. Yeah. Um, so I would say the clients who I work with in my private practice are those who experience a similar feeling that something is, something is, I'm missing something mm. and, um, I'm wanting to find ways to integrate a fuller understanding and express my, my, the fullest version of who I am, um, do that part time and using, um, various modalities, uh, meditation and kundalini yoga as primary and use the gong um, and, you know, really working at a molecular level to release stored mm-hmm. emotion, stored thoughts, stored memory, detox to increase like flow, meridian flow. Yeah. Tell me more about that. I don't really mm-hmm. know a lot about the detox. Yeah. Yeah. So it's Wanting to just quickly create the differentiation between acupuncture and acu-detox. Right. I am not an acupuncturist. and um, So acu-detox started in the world of um, substance abuse and in a nutshell where it has evolved is a recognition that it, it can be a modality that um, is widely accessible Like the more practitioners that can use AccuDetox, the more people can receive the benefits of it. Mm -hmm. Um, So that like through the substance abuse world is how it kind of entered the psychotherapeutic world. And AccuDetox is, it's a five point ear acupuncture. So there's Mm -hmm. five points within the ear that we touch. And um, from there, it's really allowing the body to do the work. It's an activation of yin energy. So that balancing energy um, it hits five different points within the body. Our, um, oh gosh, 
I'm going to, let's see if I remember them. The five different points <laughs> in the body, the parasympathetic, the um, kidney, liver, lung, and Shen Men, which is kind of in uh, considered the gateway to the soul. Mm-hmm. Um, so those are the, um, those are the five points that we touch on in AccuDetox. Oh, awesome. Mm-hmm. So if someone's, so, so is it more for someone that's trying to get get off of substance abuse or is it for mm-hmm. someone that's quit substance abuse and is trying to deal with the aftermath of mm-hmm. that or both? Yeah. Yeah. Both and whatever else somebody is, you know, experiencing. Um, I certainly work with, uh, individuals who come back the next session and say, I didn't crave cigarettes as much as I did before. Mm, awesome. And it wasn't even really the pointed focus as to why we did AccuDetox in the session, but it was just a natural byproduct of the, the practice. Yeah, um, that happened. Um, I had my friend, she was trying to quit smoking and I had her do the addiction meditation, the Kundalini nice. meditation and yeah. she didn't quit smoking, but she lost 25 pounds. Okay. So it's kind of the same thing, like mm-hmm. whatever was in the forefront or needed more work kind exactly. of. Yeah, it was right. really interesting. She's like, I still smoke, but I lost weight. <laughs> whatever the body needs. Yeah, right. exactly. Mm-hmm. So that's interesting. So, um, so I guess that kind of led you, that was my next question. What led you to opening up your own healing center? Mm-hmm. Uh, you just didn't want to work with other people or you just kind of wanted to do your own thing and add other modalities. Mm-hmm. And... Yeah. Yeah. It was really, in my experience, there wasn't necessarily the framework to integrate all of the modalities in which I thought were beneficial and that mm-hmm. I wanted to share Yeah, with the world. So um, really it, it just came down to me giving myself permission to step into a fuller expression of myself. Yeah. And this is, this is the way in which I, at this chapter in my life, am able to offer whatever the person needs who comes into this space. Like I, you know, there are no accidents. Whoever comes into the therapeutic yeah. space, they needed whatever they got. And I also needed whatever they brought me. Yeah. Um, so that was really like, you know, we go to all these trainings and we acquire all this knowledge and they're in, how do they come together and how do they come together in the framework that is already created by somebody else. And it, I couldn't quite really pull it all together. Yeah. So that was the impetus for opening my own practice. Where is your studio? Hmm. It's in transition. So my studio, I had a studio space out of the home that I worked in. Okay, that's what I thought. It was out of um, your home. It was It was the loveliest. I try not to yearn, you know, <laughs> in an attached way to that place. Mm, um, I saw pictures of it. It looked very it was, lovely. It was just so lovely. <laughs> um, and then we moved. And oh. our new house is also lovely, um, <laughs> and it doesn't have the studio space yet mm. in the house. Or we are in. Um, if I pulled out my laptop, you would see all of the yurt pictures that I have in which one and how we're going to bring a yurt into the backyard to be the new office space. Awesome! It'll be phenomenal. So jealous. And in the meantime, I. Um, rent space at a place called The Orchard here in Fort Collins um, and may also 
begin to use space here, actually at the Be Free Healing Center, the space that we're doing the interview. So yeah, okay, mm-hmm. okay, cool. Um, anything else you want to add about to Sand Hills Healing mm-hmm. Center? Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to bring up about it, or any other offers offerings? Do you mm-hmm. do work uh, when you have it? Do you do your workshops there? Mm-hmm. At that um, space, or I did. Or you will be. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yep, I did. So it's really like more so a matter of space. Mm-hmm. Um, one one of the things that I find really powerful. I'm I don't. I'm not a family or marriage therapist. Those are not my credentials. Mm-hmm. But I do um, hold space. I f- facilitate space for couples to come in and do meditations together. Um, I ask the couples like, what it is that, you know, what are you working on? What are you wanting to focus on? Is it just greater connection? Is it greater communication? Is yeah. it we have old resentments, whatever it may be. Um, and then formulating a, a little bit of yogic wisdom to bring into that space. Do breath, do movement, open up channels of just clearing some energy just in their own individual space. And then after increasing their sense of increase clarity, even if it be a little mm-hmm. bit of more space, then we come together as a couple, um, as I facilitate couples med- meditations. So mm-hmm. it's not really talk therapy for couples, but in a way it's more like energy therapy for couples. Oh, that's beautiful. Yeah. That's great. Yeah, that's great. Um, what was your, she just did a, a um, workshop today, <laughs> this morning. What, yes. Like, yeah, she's I'm still not always her, wearing white. <laughs> she's white. still in her garb. Um, yeah. What was, uh, your, workshop about today? Mm -hmm. Yeah. I'm so glad you asked that question. I was so jazzed up about it. I taught a workshop today. Um, It's called, or the the title of it is Glands or the Guardians. Yogi Bhajan, that was, you know, a main teaching, Glands or the Guardians of our health. And so I really gathered much of the yogic wisdom from the kundalini yoga lineage to expand our understanding of how our endocrine system plays a direct role in the life of anxiety. So today's specific topic was that of anxiety. Um, and in increasing our, our recognition, our understanding of that our body very, very literally holds thought, memory, and emotion through mm-hmm. what medical science is now showing is nodal points. Mm-hmm. Um, they all have their own little mini minds and they speak the same language as that which is within the brain. So um, really wanting to expand this um, this understanding that when we can't always explain why our body experiences anxiety, we can now reference that these nodal points that we have in our body, they carry neurotransmitters, they carry hormones, mm-hmm. and they carry peptides. So all of the same things that we thought were only taking place within the brain also very literally are happening in the body, and they each have their own thought. They each absorb their own memory. They have their own little mini-minds. So that was the primary topic of how we can essentially open access to brain and body 
to allow energy to move, breathe life into these nodal points, move this energy, mm-hmm. allow some release of the anxiety that is very literally stored within our body. Yeah, because I believe that those are the areas too. If you're not moving that energy, that's mm-hmm. where disease happens, right. correct? So right. you just want to keep moving that energy. And that's, I was talking to my friend about that today because she's always like, oh, I need to work out to feel better, to look good. Mm-hmm. <laughs> or, you know, I mean, most people I think do that, but yeah. Yeah. She's, lately we've been like, we just want to feel better. But this morning I'm like, I've been looking at yoga. Like I just want to move the energy. Mm-hmm. I don't care what I look like. Right. I just like, I know if I'm moving that energy, I'm going to mm-hmm. feel better. Mm-hmm. Um, Jessica said that you went to some workshop recently. I did. Yeah. Mm-hmm. What was that about? And oh, it was if also you share. so phenomenal. Um, it was the brain longevity conference training conference that, um, Dr. Dharma Singh Khalsa, doctor in well, medical doctor, and of he's in the Kundalini Yoga lineage. Um, a massive amount of research that is being done on Kirtan Kriya. Right? Did he write uh, Meditation is Medicine? Right. Okay, mm-hmm. that's one of my favorite books. Oh my gosh, <laughs> that's what I taught my entire workshop on today. Oh, awesome. It, okay. I just can't even tell you how giddy excited I am when I read that book. <laughs> So phenomenal. That's the book I always give everyone when they're like, oh, what meditation or kundalini it's, yoga? I'm like, because some people, mm-hmm. we're like, I'm woo woo about it. I'm like, I don't know, stuff just happens. But yeah. some people need that scientific, need tangible, right? Yeah. So I'm like, here. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Yeah. I think he described in the beginning of that book, in the beginning of the book, like quick digression, that mm-hmm. the like kundalini yoga is the river, but without the banks. Yeah. On either side, some people, I mean, I'm totally paraphrasing and yeah. like taking an offshoot, but we need, some people need science to back up, to hold space for, you know, the river, essentially, yeah. um, the information. And this book is, it so pointedly helps us understand what is happening within the body with medical meditation, primarily the Kundalini Yoga yeah. practices. Um, so this training was really, it was on the neuroscience of the brain and neuroscience of uh, yoga and meditation. This was primarily what drew me to the training. It's it's larger than that, but um, the, the incredible results that are shown through brain scans with meditation and yoga, um, the amount of increased blood flow to the brain, the... Um, rebuilding of proteins that take place within the hippocampus with this particular meditation. So our memory increases in strength. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, it's so expansive and just unbelievable how, how valuable it is for our overall well-being. And, yeah, and it helps um, prevent Alzheimer's. Prevents Alzheimer's. Mm-hmm. So the, the conference overall um, focus was on the prevention of Alzheimer's and this longstanding belief in our society that Alzheimer's is just something that happens with old age. And this training is a true, it's proven that it can be prevented through lifestyle factors. So it really focuses on the modifiable risk factors. Um, And yoga and meditation is one of the things, one of the lifestyle factors that can um, be adjusted to help prevent Alzheimer's. So amazing. I know I give it to my dad. (laughs) I was wonderful. Like, Here, um, it I, might be my new like stocking stuffer for all of my family members. It's amazing. I know it's so good. Um, I just recommended it to someone 
recently as well. I haven't read his food one though, because he has. I think he, he does have it. a food one. I've not read it either. Yeah, he has another one's called Brain Longevity. Oh. It's older. I would recommend Meditation as Medicine before Brain Longevity. I think he would too. Mm-hmm. I'm speaking for him. Maybe you should edit that. <laughs> keep it simple. <laughs> yeah, Just keep it simple. Keep it simple. Um, great. I I saw a picture that you posted. I was like, oh, where is she? I want to be there. Mm -hmm. I love it. I know I've, I've been real into the neuroscience and neuroplasticity lately Mm -hmm. and like trying to put it Mm -hmm. into my work as a life coach as well. And like a child reprogramming and just like getting to the root of stuff. Cause you can't help somebody if they have blocks, like you have to get to the Mm -hmm. root of the problem. And Mm -hmm. some people don't want to go there because I'm not a therapist, you know? So it's been kind of difficult, but, um, so I've been taking so many online courses about just the brain and everything. I just want to learn everything. It's fascinating. Yeah, it is. Um, okay. We'll do a little shift here. So, um, what is your favorite mantra (laughs) currently? Yeah. Or if you have a few of them. Mm -hmm. That is good. Um, Probably the Mangala Charn mantra, Adgrename, Jugadgrename, Sarkrename, Sidigrudeve, Name. Probably my favorite at this time because both of my boys know it. Oh, yeah. So does Harvey. Yeah. <laughs> so sweet. It's so sweet. We, um, it's, it's a part of our prayer before we go to bed at night. Oh, sweet. And it's really, yeah. And my son, even when he's not around, he, I mean, whenever I'm not around, he still does it before he goes to bed. And he's like, yoga is mom's thing. <laughs> but I'll say the Mangala Charn, the, you know, open and protect my space. He, yeah. He yeah, it's, it's for protection. For protection, so, yeah. right. Yeah, and he knows that and he feels that. Um, and my two-year-old, almost two-year-old, he'll lay down and I'll rub his back and he'll just like, amame, amame, you know, he'll kind of say it with me. It's so cute. Oh, I love that. Yeah. I know. Teaching our kids, let's put it in their subconscious. Definitely. Definitely. (laughs) Help raise conscious children. Yeah. Yeah. And um, recently, um, Siddhi Kadam reminded me of um, Ekankar Satguru Prasad Satguru Prasad Ekankar. So just to shift that negativity, because I yeah. noticed like Harvey, he'll get in this little negative, like teenagery mode, even though he's not a teenager sure. yet, you know? And That's so helpful. I'm like, let's do this magic mantra and it uh, really is magic it really works so yeah that's oh, been that's one of our reminder yeah yeah teenager yeah it's and it does it just shifts like the other day we both were just like in a bad mood about something i was like wait wait no no mm-hmm. come on let's do the magic mantra and then we were like mm-hmm. we're all happy afterwards we're now. yeah it's go. crazy how it just shifts um okay um what meditation or kriya are you currently doing mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. um so the resetting the nervous and the glandular system. Mm-hmm. You've been really into that because I remember mm-hmm. last year you invited me to do a workshop on that. You were, it was out of the book. I can't, it was Joppa Carr's book. I can't think of. Yeah, Enlightened Bodies. Enlightened Bodies, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah right. I guess I am. Yeah, it's just <laughs> yeah. like it's been like a my, year. It's been a long time. Yeah. Um, yeah. So, I mean, I just feel we have, our nervous system really it gets a lot of action and it gets really tired in our society. Mm-hmm. 
so so right in the connection between the nervous system and the endocrine system so that one i i feel is like this really great power packed kriya that um allows me to step into my parasympathetic state my like rest and digest and it also feels very cleansing and that i'm opening up glands that inevitably are going to help with my immunity mm-hmm. and just like my sense of increased clarity um so yes, that's that's. And are one. you doing a certain meditation? Um, you know, right now, what is the is out of the teacher's manual the meditation for toxic shock and stress, or maybe that's I forget which manual it's in. Here, I'll look it up. Toxic shock and stress. But I know I can't think of it either. But I think I know what you're talking. The one you're talking about. You know, it's it's the use of chanting that I. I feel like I'm so drawn to in that just yeah, saying Satanam, 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 Wahe Guru. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Over and over again. Um, it's just this magical use of mantra and it connects to the glands <laughs> within the brain and allows for healthy glandular secretion and mm-hmm. also reminds me of my truth and the liberation that comes when yeah. we move from darkness to light and yeah yeah, yeah I know I got why guru tattooed I know I love it it's so <laughs> awesome oh my god the guy I was like it. what is this I'm like from darkness to light they were like cool yeah Yeah. try it on man try it on I know I was saying I wanted to get Ekon Kassat Guru Prasad tattooed too so I just never forget because I totally forgot about that one until someone brought it I mean there's so many mantras and so many many kriyas and you're kind of just get stuck on whatever you're doing at the moment but um yeah I was like maybe I should get that tattooed okay um So if you could recommend a book, a teacher, a video, or anything, what would you say influenced you the most Mm. in Kundalini? Mm -hmm. Um, So one of the first books that I have, I still have it, and one of the first books that I came into is just called Kundalini Yoga by Shaktakar Khalsa. Mm -hmm. And it's so simply... The yellow one? It's got like a flower on it, I think. Okay, I know which one you're talking about. It's not that one. And it's not that one. It's like white and it's got blue on the bottom of it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I know which one you're um, talking about. It's got somebody who, I don't think the um, girl on the front cover, I don't think she's wearing a head cover. I don't know. Just trying to point, you know, the image on the Yeah, front. yeah, yeah. But it so clearly explains the lifestyle and practice of kundalini yoga in such a just such an easy way like it it wasn't too far away for me like it I could grasp it pretty immediately Mm -hmm. in this book and there's really gentle kriyas and meditations it talks about um Ishnan or hydrotherapy. It talks about you know, like how we take care of our hair, how we take care of our skin, morning routine. Mm. I mean, it's just a really nice book to step into in the beginning of your Kundalini Yoga lineage journey. Okay, I'll put that in the show notes. I haven't. Mm-hmm. I know what book you're talking about. I do not have that book, but I've seen it. Um, I know we were talking about Ishnan in the last episode, and mm-hmm. you were into it totally. Yeah, are you still really into it? <laughs> still, still, I mean, your skin is like it. glowing. You look beautiful. So I just did Kulini like, Yoga, and I'm wearing white. That's that's why. That's <laughs> why we wear white. That's why we wear white. <laughs> True. Um, yeah. Um, 
I think at the end of the summer, I was like, I'm going to start doing my Ishnan again, but I haven't been doing it since it got cold. You know, it's so funny. I like, I'm more drawn to it when it's wintertime, which is, sounds really just so bizarre. But when it's summer, the water in the pipes, it doesn't get as cold as I need it to be to get warm in the shower, if that makes sense. Mm. It sounds like so backwards. Mm -mm, mm -mm. But so, you know, if the water is super, super cold, blood increases, blood increases to make you warm, blood rushes to organs, right? So the colder the water, like the better. See, it's, I know it's the thing that it's, I don't let it go. Any morning cold shower must take place. I I feel like in a healthy way addicted to it. I notice a difference in my clarity. I notice a difference in my ability to be present and not like kind of easily agitated. It's just, it's really, it's the jumpstart that I need every day. I love it. I love you're so dedicated to it. So do you just do it? So this is what I've been doing. So when I started it again, I kind of was just taking my warm shower and then doing the cold mm-hmm. splash at the end. Mm-hmm. But I know in Kundalini, you're really not supposed to like wash. That's not when you wash your hair and you mm-hmm. bathe. You kind of just right. do it before meditation. Mm-hmm. So is that what you do? And then you go back later and take another shower or bath mm-hmm. or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I I don't always recommend this to people who I do recommend cold showers to clients that I work with, um, with you know making sure that there's no contraindications and always run things by your doctor. You know, like that's what I said too. Mm-hmm. I was like, make sure you look it up first. Yeah, yeah. I think you know having arthritis, having um, other things that cold showers would be, you know, a kind of a contraindication, not good to step into, but. Um, I do recommend it to those who are experiencing depression. I have a handful of clients who have said that they feel it's like the thing that allowed them to come above it just enough to be able to get going during the day, mm-hmm. help them get out of bed, mm-hmm. like tap into a little bit of motivation. Um, so as I as I practice um, Ishnan, I definitely do almond oil. I feel like it's, I rub al- almond oil on you know, the majority upper half of my body, I feel like it's this tiny little bit of a buffer between the cold and, you know, the, the skin. Um, but so I do that. And I also bring my toothbrush and toothpaste into the shower with me. I, I actually do the a few times before I like work myself up to get in the cold shower from the cold water. I love it. This energy. Like, like, okay, let's do it. Um, wash my face, wash my body. Um, and I don't actually, to your question, I don't use soap for body. I do wash my face with, um, my face wash. And then I brush my teeth. I do like the morning routine of clearing the throat and like getting all the nastiness that has been, you know, accumulating over mm-hmm. at night. And that... Did you having... read the Nadine Artemis book? No. Oh, okay. Because she does a lot of this stuff, like okay. hot water is bad, but she has a whole like... Okay. City Cottom's actually doing it. I mean, this lady's hardcore, but it's awesome. But she has a whole like oral care routine. And okay. She does all that yeah, stuff Yeah, I'll too. have to get that. But she just says no soap on the body, like mm. only in like your private. Yes. Yeah. You know, you shouldn't mm-hmm. ever use soap on your skin. Right. Um, right. So that's why I was wondering. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, not yet. I would love to get that 
name though. I've been, more about yeah, it. I'll put it in the show notes or I'll just write it down for okay. you. I've been afraid to get the book. I've heard her on a couple of podcasts. Okay. I've been afraid to get the book because I get so obsessive. Okay. I mean, she's hardcore. She takes a wrench with her. Like if she has to stay at a hotel and she changes the filter on the like, Oh my gosh. I mean, she's hardcore. It's pretty in, yeah. And I just, I get so obsessive. I've, it's oh been God. on my list forever, but I know okay. a lot. She, um, you know, those products, Living Libation, I don't know if you've ever heard of them, but that, that's her line. Okay. But okay. yeah, I'll let you know about that mm-hmm. book, but City Cottom's into the whole thing. So I was like, oh, great. I trust it then. <laughs> yeah, of course. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay. Where were we? Um, Okay. So, um, what is your advice for those who want to start their own holistic business mm. as you have any advice for people? Cause a lot of people have their holistic things as a side business. Like people teach mm-hmm. Kundalini on the side or mm-hmm. whatever the little things are on the side, but yeah. there's been a lot of people making it their sole businesses. So mm-hmm. if you had any advice for yeah. anyone wanting to do that, That's a good question. Mm -hmm. You know, and the thing that just immediately came is a daily practice. (laughs) Yeah. Satna, having a daily practice. Um, Because when we allow ourselves to tune in to like powers within, powers that be, then we receive all the information we need. Mm -hmm. If we hop into this intellectual, got to figure out, got to do. And of course, there's benefit to left brain thinking. I mean, it's there for a reason. We need it. Um, but when we're so caught up in the logistic details, then we, we miss, you know, we miss the person who hops out of the student, like who we bump into in the street. We miss mm-hmm. the message that we see on like walk, you know, we miss yeah. the information that the universe wants to provide for us that helps yeah. us, that leads the way. Yeah. Um, that and, and community really connecting with people who you're aligned in vision with. Yes, yes. I think that's so valuable. I think that kind of happens with the daily practice. You know, your, yeah. fr- your friends change, things shift. Totally. Um, mm-hmm. And also just, um, I think, um, not comparing yourself to people. Not comparing yourself to people. Which is huge because, mm-hmm. and I talked about this, I think in the last episode, just... Um, you know, you're like, oh, I don't know. There's so many life coaches already, or there's right. so many teachers already. But Yogi Bhajan says there's room for everyone, you know? So, there's room for everyone. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, and everybody has their own uniqueness and you're going to, you're going to, um, attract people that are like you, Yeah. you know? Yeah. So anything yeah. else just about like, I know the daily sadhana and practice, but when you get down to like logistics and like, mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, yeah. Just and like, then when it does really logistics are a thing. Yeah, just like finding a place, mm-hmm. and but I guess when you're doing that, your daily practice kind of keeps you balanced. Mm-hmm. But if you yeah. had anything else to say on that, I would say, kind of, I feel like um, adding on to or just like pulling from your mention of not comparing yourself to other people, recognizing your own unique offering, your own unique voice. Um, in your in your online display, whatever that is, that you can just take a moment of intention before your information that you put on there. Like, is this really in line with my truth? 
mm-hmm. or that I see it somewhere and I'm trying to kind of like manipulate my own message to make sure that it fits what's happening. The idea is so I guess in your messaging, I mean, websites are incredibly important and they um, are and it's and it's okay. You don't have to copy people, but mm-hmm. you get inspired by people. Get inspired and, by people. Absolutely. But you have to know there's a difference. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Tuning into what you want your message, mm-hmm. what message you want to share with the world. Yeah. Yeah. How do you feel about social media in general? <laughs> okay. This is why I do the nervous system <laughs> and glandular balance, Korea, because it's so stressful for me. Mm. Oh, technology. Yeah. Maybe that's maybe that's my answer. It it stresses me out. Um, it's really really hard to find a balance with wanting to share your information and the information that you want to share. You want to be in presence with people, and so how do I how do I allow myself to be in greater presence with people to be able to offer said service and not always be stuck behind a computer trying to get the message out. Um, it was, that's been a challenge for me. Mm-hmm. Um, which probably then goes to location and setting of practice. Mm-hmm. While I loved my home setting, I was also a hermit. Mm, that's me. Know? And it's my comfort zone for sure. Mm-hmm. And also like when we start to really embrace the message that we want to share, we also like there's meaning in that and we, whatever teaching I have that's been filtered through whatever lineage and like people need that. I also need other people's teachings, you know, it's like this big cycle being in community again, I find just so valuable. So finding this balance, I suppose, between here's my message world, Mm -hmm. internet world, (laughs) and here's my face. Like here I am live and in the flesh, (laughs) you know? Well, I think we were talking about it earlier before we started recording is being, just being seen. Like Mm -hmm. I don't like to be seen. Mm -hmm. Like I didn't, like in my personal, like Instagram, maybe, you know, I'd post pictures of myself with like Harvey, but then Mm -hmm. for my business I had a really hard time like posting a picture and then I'd go back and judge myself I'm like I'm cheesy what is this you know or like yes oh my gosh yes it it was really hard to put yourself out there and do that and um just not care what other people think it's like I read something the other day that people were talking about Instagram getting rid of the likes Oh, option. Interesting. So people can't like it. So you're not worried about how many likes yeah. you're actually getting. Yeah, sure. That might be the focus. Yeah. The I'm like, interesting. Out there. Yeah, yeah. But um, I think I was also talking in one of the uh, um, other episodes, like when I'm really focusing on trying to market or trying to get people in, that's mm-hmm. when crickets happen. Yeah. But if right. I just like let it flow and just mm-hmm. like do what I love and just do it because I'm like, oh, I really like this photo or mm-hmm. I felt really good that day or this message sounds, you know, clear and I want to put it out there. That's when things yeah. start to happen. Yeah. Which comes into that listening, listening mm-hmm. and then trusting. Yeah. So, yeah, social media. But it's like everybody's using it for I know. Their it's, business. And I just, I, yeah, I have a hard time with it too. Yeah. 
(laughs) So how do you get clients? Is it just like uh, Mm -hmm. referrals, word of mouth, and I guess community? Yeah. That's important. Kind of a combination of things. Time. Time is probably the biggest. Mm -hmm. Um, Some clients from one practice to the next. You know, when I was in group practice, some clients... um, wanted to continue, you know, I offered referrals and offered, um, to keep them connected in the place that I was. And some chose to come with me where, you know, where I was traveling to, Mm, um, the communities that I've been a part of the yoga communities that I've been a part of, um, word kind of just gets spread in that way that she's a Kundalini yogi and she's a therapist. Um, she integrates the two. I think having a gong People, I feel like more and more people are hearing of gravitating towards wanting the sound healing. Sound healing. I know. I Mm -hmm. need to get the gong. I've never been one with the gong. I don't know if you remember, like in training, I was like, I am not into the gong. Mm -hmm. But um, I have a little one, but Harvey kind of stole it from me. But um, yeah, I'm looking for one now. They're just so powerful. They're just so powerful. I know. I like it now. It used mm-hmm. to make me like grind my teeth, but it really? was like resistance. It was like something I needed. I was like resisting it. And now yeah. I love like the sound healing. But mm-hmm. I remember in training, I would like grip my teeth. I'm like, like, this no. is not relaxing to me. Savasana. Yeah. yeah right. It used to make Dude. me like tense up. It was so Isn't weird. That- Oh man, yeah. There's so much information we could pull from that. <laughs> I know, yeah, but now I'm like, now I'm like totally into it. Um, mm-hmm. So yeah, I'm on the search for a gong. Search for a gong. Mm-hmm. Nice. So, um, okay, let's do a little shift. Um, I like to ask everybody what what your morning routine was like. We talked a little bit about it, but like, mm-hmm. what do you do? Like you first open your eyes what do you eat for breakfast like anything you want to share that's okay yeah you know so I'm like in major recalibration mode having an almost two-year-old you know like morning routine is really unpredictable oh yeah um even with the unpredictable nature of it always involves a cold shower Mm -hmm. um but coming back before that even probably the night before I set out clothes that I want to get into after my cold shower. So they're there, they're ready. I don't have to do any thinking when I wake up in the morning. Um, And it's really a sensory thing for me. My husband would chuckle because packing for just even the shortest little trip, I just have to have the, like, what is my sensory experience going to be? And how will these clothes complement, like Mm. find cozy place in them? It's kind of silly. but. So I set my clothes out the night before, set my alarm anywhere from in between five and six and cross my fingers that my little man is not also waking up at that time so I can have some space. A minute, yeah. <laughs> um, and I pretty much grab my clothes, go upstairs and I take a cold shower. That's the very first thing that I do. Um, brush my teeth, wash my face, do the thing. Um, and if little man is not yet awake, then I have my sheepskin that is readily available and I sit (laughs) like intentional silence, you Mm -hmm. know, for a moment, really, it's so, it's so magical, this space that 
I mean, the sheepskin has been with me like everywhere, like mm-hmm. every special place I've ever been in my yeah. lifetime since it, you know, has come into my world. So of course it absorbs and carries energy, but it's also this like intentional moment in the morning of stillness where I just, I truly feel a shift. Like I've come home for mm-hmm. this moment. Um, and I don't always get a full Korean in. It's pretty inevitable that little dude is going to wake up. And so I, (laughs) I make my greatest effort to tune in with the Adi Mantra, Ong Namo, Gurudev Namo, Mm -hmm. do spinal flex, do uh, Sufi twist, um, do ego eradicator, stretch pose, um, and then if I'm able to get a meditation and I do, but that mm-hmm. oftentimes is where it ends before little man wakes up. Yeah. It's hard. Yeah. 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 But you have your like staples that you do. I have the staples. Definitely. Yeah. And even if I miss the staples, I like, I, I try to find the hour at work or the five minutes at work that I can at least get a staple. Mm-hmm. In, you know? <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. And then you were saying earlier that, um, so you do kundalini yoga, but you were saying you were doing some other types of yoga. Yeah. Yeah. There was a chapter in life recently where I just felt a really, really deep pull to the earth. Mm-hmm. And so I, um, I tried out a couple of different classes, but I found a, oh my gosh, did I say Iyengar? I feel like it wasn't Iyengar though. You said hot yoga and then you say, or is it Ashtanga? Ashtanga yoga. That's Mm -hmm. what it was. Oh, okay. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I hopped into an Ashtanga class, had never been before. We tuned in through mantra. We did poses and I mean, it was just really, I really connected to it for Mm -hmm. that moment. And it was a really deep body yoga. Mm -hmm. And I didn't realize how much I needed that for that chapter. I much was revealed that was stored within my body. Um, and it was, it was highly beneficial for the chapter that I was practicing that. Mm -hmm. Um, there came a time that I was like, okay, body, we've, we've been pretty of the earth, pretty like present in our body (laughs) for a little while. Let's remember what it's like to float a little bit. Let's mm-hmm. remember what it's like to also touch the heavens, um, which thing Kundalini Yoga yeah. provides that. Yeah, I know. I just started doing like actual yoga again. City Cardam inspired me. She's like, I do yoga five days a week. I'm like, what? I'm like, I do meditation every day. That's like, yeah. uh, I, I mean, there's those rare days where I can't do it, but mostly every day I'm doing a meditation, but, and then I think since it's been nice out, I go for a walk and that's kind of like Mm -hmm. a meditation in itself, Mm -hmm. but like, I haven't done like yoga, like a Kriya in forever. So she kind of inspired me and like, so this week I've done yoga every day except for today. And I am so (laughs) sore. You just feel it. Oh my gosh. I'm like, okay. I was so weak in those areas again, you know? So I'm like, okay, okay. This, I needed this. So mm -hmm. yeah, I'm trying to get a stronger yoga practice. It is wild though, how quickly we can come right back into it. Mm -hmm. You know, like I just noticed that like maybe with cardio training or like running, I used to be a runner that it takes longer to really like 
get my lungs to the place they need to be, my legs to the place they need to be. Mm-hmm. I feel like with Kundalini yoga, you do it like two or three times and you're able to like, oh, okay, yeah, I'm <laughs> I'm just feeling it more today than I was two days ago. You know, it just happens quickly, I think. Yeah, yeah. And I just, like we were talking about that flow of energy, like I just yeah. want my energy to be a little bit more flowing. I mean, with some of the uh, Kundalini meditations, you're... Right. You're moving your arms or, mm-hmm. you know, there's a little bit of flow, but I was like, mm-hmm. I need some like flow, flow. So yeah. yeah. Doing yoga. Love it. Okay. Um, anything else you want to add about your morning routine? What do you eat for breakfast? Yeah. I'm a pretty, <laughs> yeah, I do. I'm pretty consistent. Like this is mom's breakfast. Mm-hmm. It's, it's toast <laughs> with avocado on it with some salt and pepper mm. and then an egg on top of that. Mm. Yeah, you've been, I remember you I know. Isn't that it. hilarious? Like, that's the same thing that I ate at your house like four years yes, ago. Yes, yes, I know. It's so funny. I mean, my, my, my stomach just likes consistency and predictability. Mm-hmm. And, you know, it that powers me till, you know, the next time that I need a snack or mm. I need lunch. And nice. so... Nice. Mm-hmm. And added to that, before before I hop into any tea or coffee or breakfast, I definitely am pretty ritualistic around drinking a full glass of warm water. Mm. I've been trying to be so much mm. better about that. It's mm. usually like coffee first, and then I'm like, oh, I need to drink my morning water. Yeah, but... it's like clear throat, so all the mucus is out, warm water. Mm-hmm. And then I can hop in too. Well, I've been trying to do that. Leave it out the, from the night before. I mm-hmm. like room temperature water. Yeah. So, and if it's too cold, I'll put warm water in it to kind of balance mm-hmm. it out. But if I already have it there waiting while I'm making my coffee, then yes. I'll drink it. But if it's not <laughs> visible, yeah, I'm just, just like mm, coffee. <laughs> yeah. But um, what skincare do you use? What's your skincare routine? Mm-hmm. Oh man. What is my skincare routine? Oh my gosh, I can't even tell you what brand I use. It's from Sprouts. My face wash is from Sprouts. Mm-hmm. That's okay. <laughs> they have, they it's, carry good stuff. They, they have like stuff. that Evan Healy stuff. Yeah. I started using stuff from there. Yeah, I don't even... I just like the fewer the ingredients, the better, typically. Oh yeah, for um, sure. And then I use Bare Minerals mm. facial stuff afterwards. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, well, you have really pretty skin, but it's probably the cold showers. I think a lot has to do probably with cold showers. And thank you for that. I don't even <laughs> know if I agree with you, but I'll try not to be judgmental yeah. about it. <laughs> Everybody's hard on themselves. Yes. Um, okay. Let's shift a little bit. Um, what book are you currently reading? Mm-hmm. Oh, man. Do you have like five books? I know. It's I'm like so that too. hilarious. I have like, I say I'm just going to like just read the the two or three that's on the bedstand and then just like more and more get accumulated. It's um, like whatever you're intuitively feeling, totally. I feel like, because sometimes I yeah. want to read something that has nothing to do with science, yoga, yeah, um, healing, yeah. whatever. And then sometimes you want to mm-hmm. read that stuff. So mm-hmm. it's like, yeah. So currently with workshops at hand, I'm reading meditation as medicine. <laughs> okay. So yeah. I just like, I can't even tell you. I mean, you know, you know just how exciting it is to read that book. I know. I pulled it out again because I'm going to do a meditation course, like a coaching course to help people get, uh, create the space 
physically and like in their schedule mentally and then make it create it in a habit. So I've been like reading that book again and pulled it out. Brushing up on it. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. And then what, what other book do I, I'm like scanning my bed. Yeah. Are you reading something that's like not like a novel or Mm -mm. no, no, it's, Okay, so the book that I I'm in a book club with my sisters, and the book that's on the horizon is is it where the crawdads sing? Oh, I heard really good things about that. It's apparently, on my list. Apparently, it's on everybody's list because it, it like can't be found anywhere. It's oh, like really? Two hundred people on the waiting list at libraries. It's crazy. Reese Witherspoon apparently put it on her book reading. Yes, list she did. Mm-hmm. That's what happened. <laughs> so that's the book that I'm coming up to read, and I'm hoping it's on audio because. Yeah, I need audio to get through a book. Mm-hmm. I don't always, but I'll, I'll read a book and then I'll do an audio. So I'm kind of like multitasking, but mm-hmm. I just um, listen to the educated. Or I don't know it. It's the Mormon girl that didn't go to high school. Oh, okay. And she like ended up getting like her PhD at Harvard. Like she went to BYU and then she went to Cambridge and then she went to Harvard and she like never even went to high school. So she like put herself through school with all these, um, you know, she had all these insecurities of like not belonging while she was dealing with like a traumatic family dynamic okay it's it's really good okay it's really really yeah, good to it's write written. that one down as well yeah it's mm-hmm. written really well there's um an interview of her with Oprah and that like kind of gives you a little insight of the book um, okay okay and then what else are you super into right now are you like listening to a podcast or are you mm-hmm. binge watching a show just anything that's just like uh, yeah. or courses you're taking anything that so I have a girlfriend um the woman who actually met who was sitting in the waiting room she sends me Tara Brock podcasts Mm. um they're really phenomenal love compassion um I believe that it's of she's of the um Buddhist lineage Mm -hmm. um I think she referenced once one of the podcasts that in like, but you don't look Buddhist or something like that. She doesn't look, you know, right. quote unquote, look Buddhist. She doesn't look like Pima. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, really phenomenal information that comes through on that. And um, another podcast is called On Being with Christina. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. So good. Yeah. I like them because they're short. Yeah, they're totally, they're doable. Yeah, um, Krista Tippett, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. yeah. The book that I always read, and I've read it, and I always pick it up again and never find myself disappointed, is Anam Kara by John O'Donohue. What is it? Anam Kara, A-N-A-M. Yeah. Kara, uh, C-A-R-I. I mean, C-A-R-A. Oh, C-A-R-A. Oh. It means soul friends. Oh. It's the most beautifully, poetically written book on... Um, I mean, in a nutshell, our our true connection to the earth and our connection to one another as pieces of the first or pieces of the same clay. Mm. It's so never even heard of it. So amazing. Okay, great. So sorry, I got off track, but no, that's okay. No, I mean that's another thing you're into. Mm-hmm. The binge watching. I'm binge watching um, raising Dion. Because my eleven-year-old loves it. Oh, I haven't. I I've seen it, but I haven't. It's sweet. Jumped on it yet? It's sweet. <laughs> it's sweet to get cozy on the couch with my eleven-year-old son. Mm-hmm. That's what's really sweet about mm-hmm. it. Um, yeah. So, 
Anyway. Awesome. Mm-hmm. Anything else you want to share about your journey, Kundalini Yoga? You know, Naomi, <laughs> Kundalini Yoga is just like, I mean, I was explaining to you earlier, like when yeah. I stepped away from Kundalini Yoga, yeah, let's talk that about like that. One equals the other yeah. in any way, shape, or form. But I've been in three car accidents, none of them have been my fault permission to cuss on your podcast like (laughs) shit has hit the fan in my life when kundalini yoga has not been in my life yeah and of course there's like no scientific proof to like bring in parallels or bring in like causation the universe but i mean the universe definitely Mm -hmm. reminds me that kundalini yoga when i practice whether it be the things calm down or my energy that i bring to it it just shifts. Yeah. It just shifts. It's it's a magic. It's and it's truly based in science. And it's just, I mean, it's unbelievable. Yeah. That's so beautiful. Well, mm. thank you so much for doing this. It's been yeah. so great to sit down and talk with you. Yeah, it's been super fun. <laughs> Thanks for having me here. Yes, of coming course. up to do this. Oh, yes, yes, of course. Well, so good seeing you and thank you so much, Satnam. Satnam. <laughs> Thank you for joining us today. And if you like this episode and this podcast, please subscribe to Aquarian Living and leave us a review. We would love to hear from you and hope you join us for the next episode.